This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Can anybody remind me, or I already know, can anybody tell me, the beer commercial that that song uh, was... Uh, was built around. It, it wasn't the wasn't the commercial that popularized the song. The song popularized itself, thanks to Steppenwolf just being so badass. But there was a beer commercial back in the day that played that quite a bit. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Seth in Fort Smith says Jim Brown is the greatest football player and lacrosse player in Syracuse history because in lacrosse only the best player gets to wear Jim Brown's number. Oh, yeah. It's a very specific treatment there. Um, Do you see Gil Brandt passed away this morning at age 91? Legendary architect, one of the architects of... Uh, the 1990s Cowboys? Well, no. The, well, uh, sort of, or yes. the 80s getting well, going? He, he was the... Well, I got to get the term correct here because he worked with Tech Schramm. He was the vice president of personnel for 29 years. 29 years was the VP of Personnel. So he basically ran the football department of the team before anybody ever called them America's team and kind of built America's team. Here's the Steelers fan that will refer to the Cowboys as America's team for this segment. JT and Hot Springs, this one's for you. Uh, Brandt also was a little bit of the architect of those 90s Cowboys because his last act before Jerry Jones fired him Friendly in a friendly way, by the way. Uh, his last act was to help Jones through the 1989 draft, and they built, they did some building in the 1989 draft. Got Aikman that year, amongst uh, a few others, and then Jones fired Brandt, and they remained great friends up until he passed away this morning. In fact, Jerry Jones presented Gil Brandt at his enshrinement in Canton in 2019. So he fired him, and. Helped enshrine him in the Hall of Fame after he did him a solid because that 1989 Cowboys draft was a solid. Got to go down as one of the greatest uh, NFL personnel people in the history of the sport. Hey, the, the getting getting Herschel Walker uh, and getting those picks, so he had to be involved in that. That was one of the best deals right there. That's how it kind of all got set up, right? Not no no, not saying Herschel Walker still wasn't the best. You know, he was a, amazing, but kind of ahead of the time right there as far as running backs only have four or five years where they're really going to be at that high level. When he, when he started running the Cowboys, I don't know if... I, they may have been in Kansas City. They remember, they started in Kansas City as the... Uh, what were they called? I remember, they weren't the, the Tex- Chiefs. Oh. It wouldn't have been the Texans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, or was it the other way around? I think it was the Chiefs started in Dallas. I'm getting things crossed up here. But back then, I mean, the Cowboys were not anything close to America's team. And by the time he ended his tenure there, they were. And, you know, kind of help them become what they are now, which is still uh, one of the, if not the, uh, most well-known brand in all of professional sports. So uh, at age 91, Gil Brandt passed on today. Uh, what else here? Oh, Eric Lewis retired from an NBA refereeing career. This was the official who got in a little bit of hot water because... Uh, I guess there there was proof, but then the NBA had to do some investigating about this. You know, you're not allowed to publicly comment on 
anything involving officiating if you are an NBA referee, unless the NBA has a specific you know, time. It's like, well, you got to talk about this call right here in this playoff game, that kind of thing. Uh, but Lewis apparently had, had a Twitter account with a, a burner, essentially. He, had a, he called himself Blair Cutliffe on this Twitter account, and he would engage fans on Twitter about Eric Lewis as a referee. <laughs> and of course, he never made a bad call in his life on social media. Uh, and I guess I would have gotten him in a lot of hot water, but he decided to retire instead. I just kind of wonder, could you imagine if Angel Hernandez had Twitter and used it? Because I don't know another, I don't know another umpire in baseball that gets kicked around as, like a soccer ball as much as he does. I know uh, Kevin... And he's all about the ump show, too. Like, in person, at the game, when he's questioned about this or that, it's an ump show that would be the kind of guy that I would expect would do the burner account. That's funny. I know Kevin Durant gets into it, uh, and, and you hear about some of the players, they'll have a burner account... Uh, of some kind, which is kind of funny. I guess they just, I mean, you have your phone in front of your face. That's this, that's this, the generation nowadays. What are you going to do? You know, you can only play video games for so long. Well, and it's difficult, I guess, in some cases. I mean, look, we all, we all have egos. We all, you know, maybe handle this in a, in a, in a certain way, but it's just somebody might come at you with a, with a, with a criticism of something that you said on the radio or something that you did when you're out and about. It can be a little difficult to just grit your teeth and not say anything. Some people go right at him. Like in media, uh, thinking of Tim Brando. Someone will come at Brando with a criticism. He's going to go right back at him. Right back at him. And, man, I mean, Matt, you played, you, you, you played right when, I guess, I guess in the NFL, I guess your career kind of coincided with close to the rise of Twitter. I don't think you would have been on it then, nor you would have been paying attention to social mm-hmm. media. Mm-hmm. But in today's day and age, it's just got to be difficult to not at least glance at it. You know, oh, somebody absolutely. Asked, somebody asked Rocket about it yesterday, about social media reaction to his weight. And, and he's got Twitter. I don't. I don't know if he tweets very much or not. But I imagine you, you have look to at the NIL deal. You got to tweet. You got to put stuff out there. That's kind of part of the name, image, likeness. You, so you're going, you're immersed in it. They they hear it. They see it. I don't. And I I saw somewhere where uh, I think Elon took off the block button. Block button. So you can't. No, block I don't know him. if he can. Okay. He, he wanted to. He wanted to. But they all uh, see I, I guess, it. They, I they, guess they, Apple doesn't let you have a social media app on their platform if there's not some sort of blocking mechanism. Okay. For whatever purposes. So I don't know. I think it's something he wanted to do, but he can't do. So, yeah, and it's never the best look when you you see an athlete that's blocked a bunch of people, but chances are if they got got blocked, then there was a good reason behind it. Keep in mind, though, like when Sam Pittman took the job at Arkansas as the head coach, a lot of Razorback fans and even media members found themselves blocked and hadn't even realized it from, I guess, when Sam was an assistant here. Uh, I told you I'd been blocked by Ben Roethlisberger. It made no sense whatsoever because nice. I never got on Twitter and, and ripped him for this or that. I might have had my ideas about him as a person, but I don't remember ever bringing it up on Twitter. So, so you, you never know. Some of these athletes, they, they're a little sensitive at sometimes, is what you're saying, huh? Well, and the yeah. officials, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
the officials too, and that's what Adams must have or Lewis funniest, must have felt. The funniest thing is like Kevin Durant getting on a burner account and defending himself and like, bro, you're the best basketball player in the planet. No, you don't have to say anybody that's hating on you. They don't understand basketball. You know, like you're you're that good. You, you're the last person that has to defend yourself. All you got to do is uh, is just tweet a link of your career page on Basketball Reference, and it's gonna let. Hey, look at where I stand compared to everybody else. Zip it. Officials can't do that, though. They really can't. They're just supposed to take it. You're, you're supposed to take that kinda it. That kind of comes with the job, though. Everybody boos the officials. Everybody. Mm-hmm. The, the best official is one that you, that you don't that you don't have to even see. Just just make it go out there and make the calls. But that just kind of com- comes with it. Well, nobody, nobody gets booed more than Angel Hernandez. I would just love to see if he was on Twitter. That would be so exciting, so interesting. And I think of, well, I mean, you can do a lot of complaining when it comes to gray areas in sports, right? And the gray areas are always going to be there for certain aspects of these sports you know and like um in baseball there really aren't a lot of gray areas if any the strike zone is a gray area even though it's firmly defined in the rule book we say every umpire's got his or her own strike zone and it really isn't supposed to be that way so the automatic ball strike zone which might be on the way sometime soon is supposed to fix that but that's tough technology to figure out i don't think it's on the way for 2024 and then there's football what's a gray area in football how they spot where they spot the ball the the way they spot the balls they can be a half yard either way a lot of times and if you're looking at it sometimes that you know it's it's a little off um now i would figure that there's a way around that interference if a, like pass holding, interference they kind of that's subject very subjective mm-hmm. used to be what is a catch i think we're better now that we kind of know what a catch is you know i still think des bryant's was a catch anytime you catch it in one hand and move it to your other hand that's a football move right there I, now I think with the with the, the spotting the ball, you're right. I I, I think it's pretty in ex- exact science. I think the officials are good at what they're doing with it, but there's probably a way, uh, technology wise, to figure out something that's exact. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how it's done, but it feels like there could be a way. Pass interference, that's never going to get fixed. Yeah, that's never. hard. To, that's a judgment call. It's a hard call to make. It's a hard call. And in basketball. Man, doesn't it feel like all the fouls, not all the fouls, but a good chunk of them a lot like of times, it's gray area. Well, and a lot of times you'll see late in the games, they, they do kind of tend to, to, to go to the stars, but a lot of times when they go up for that shot or any time around the paint, the refs almost wait to see if the ball goes in uh-huh. or not. And if it doesn't go in, they blow the wit. You know, it's like, it, it's yeah, it's kind of weird. But you, you mean you've been able to fix a few things in, with replay in basketball. You know, if your foot's on the line, is it a two, is it a three? Uh, you know, you replay play blocker charge in some cases. And that's the, the only fa- one. The circle out there. Yeah. yeah, that's the only one. That's the only one of the fouls that I f- feel it could ever be part of a non-gray area. But those things won't get fixed. You can't do instant replay for fouls in basketball. It's a sport that moves. The ball's always in motion. Um, baseball, I don't know if the automatic ball strike zone, when it gets instituted, there's going to be complaints about it and the way that it changes the game. And you're never going to fix pass interference. Never. Which also means that you are always going to be criticizing officials no matter what, and they're never going to have social media to come back at you. And if they do, then their careers will probably be a little bit shorter. It'd be like, um, what was it, uh, Giselle, when Wes Welker dropped the ball and she's going off to off the field and they're going, she's like, he can't throw it and catch it at the same time, guys. 
That's who's supposed to be taken up for you, right? Giselle's supposed to have her burner account taken up for you. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And boy, Wes Welker just never did a good thing for he got, Tom Brady, did he? Well, he got hit. He had a concussion. You could tell that he, Antonio Brown, same thing. Wes Welker, his last couple years, he just couldn't. His There was something going on there with his brain. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good afternoon, Bob. Happy football season. Sam Pittman did a heck of a lot of talking yesterday. And, you know, you're usually in on the teleconference, uh, on the pressers. I'm, I'm assuming that you listen to at least a, a piece of Sam Pittman live. Wednesdays are busy days for the head coach. There was a lot of talking to the public. Yeah, that's one of the uh, you know things about being head coach, especially in a high profile league like like the SEC. You get a lot of media obligations and fan obligations. We know he spoke the uh, fans, you know, Little Rock, and up here in Northwest Arkansas last week. Of course, he's got the radio show, and like you say, he's got the SEC call. He does a, a teleconference with local media, or I guess other people get on there too. And uh, so, yeah, I think everybody's probably. Very tired of talking season as Steve Spurrier so eloquently called it his, his race for some football. I, I know we had a little bit last weekend and some, some good games on tap tonight. I know Florida's playing Utah and I think Nebraska's playing Minnesota. Maybe there's some other games. Yeah, who? who Bob, who? Missouri, Minnesota, man. Who are you excited to watch uh, on this Arkansas team? Maybe a guy on the offensive side and a guy on the uh, on the defensive side week one. Well, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of new guys. I know offensive tackle probably in a real sexy position, and I don't know how much, uh, you know, a challenge uh, Western Carolina's defensive line can give them, but, you know, that, that, that Arkansas has got some new offensive tackles out there, right? they got the Patrick Kudis and Andrew Shanley, maybe, and, and Devin Manuel. Um, young guys out there, I think they're pretty talented, and they're going to be pretty good, but I think it's good for them to get their feet wet against uh, an FCS team. All due respect to Western Carolina, they're not having to play, you know, Alabama or you know, like last year, Cincinnati or two years ago, had to play Georgia, right? And so, or uh, three years ago, I guess it was. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see those, those offensive tackles, and and then on the defensive side, there, there's a lot of newcomers. I guess I want to see how how those a lot of the new guys in the secondary, how you know the, the safeties. Uh, you know, uh, Al Walcott transferred from Baylor, Snacks Johnson. He's going to be playing nickel, it looks like. You've got some new corners out there, too. Uh, you know, uh, 
So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how the guys in the secondary because we know that was a problem area for Arkansas last year. And Western Carolina is a team that likes to pass the ball a lot, and their, their coach, Curlin Bell, the old Florida coach, he made it pretty clear, the old Florida quarterback, I should say, he made it pretty clear they're not going to back down. They're not going to try to milk the clock or shorten the game. They're going to come out firing on all cylinders, you know, if they can. One of the themes, I think, throughout camp was that the team really wasn't dealing with too many injuries that would cause players to miss games. And then last night, you hear Jashad Stewart, probably not going to play. Brady Latham, questionable. Malik Chavis, questionable. And I guess out of all of those positions, the one that i just not worried about, but the one that stands out is Brady Latham because he's one of the returners of the offensive line. Uh, he is a team captain. Um, I know they feel good about Amori Wiggins, who probably slides into that guard position. But, man, I was kind of hoping you'd have your offensive line completely intact. But it sounds like at least on the left side, there's, there's a little bit of iffiness as to who's available and who will be out there yeah we'll see what happens and of course you know sam says he feels pretty good about eight of those guys so i guess they feel i mean obviously like to get to 10 so they're too deep everywhere but um yeah if, if brady latham's out then bo limmer's the only uh, returning starter and of course he's at a new position center night played center in the bowl game and got a whole bunch of reps because i went triple overtime and he's had spring and fall camp to get used to it but um yeah, but also, obviously, they, they need those guys back. Anybody's banged up a little bit. You don't want to take a chance on them aggravating the injury. You know, you got Kent State coming in, and more importantly, you got BYU, and then the SEC schedule starts. And so, um, you know, camp, you know, Sam Avake, you know, one injury is too many, right? And they lost Sam Avake for the, for the season. But if you look around the country, you see, unfortunately, guys getting lost for the year. It's just part of the deal with football. It's a very physical sport. Even in practice, a lot of times guys tear up their knee and no contact injuries, right? Their, their, their uh, cleat gets caught on the turf or something. So I think they came out of, out of camp pretty healthy, you know, considering they want to be physical and, and get everybody ready. But, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, if there's anybody that, that you think isn't 100%, probably a good idea to hold them out. Bob, uh, KJ, what I see on film uh, when, when you're seeing the highlights now, I haven't got to see see any camp, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, Saturday. He he looks the part, man. He looks big. He looks strong. He looks healthy. Uh, last year he had 2,600 yards passing and a little over um, – 600 rushing. What are some reasonable numbers? What are some numbers you think th- that he can put up this year? Well, he might have. You know, it kind of depends on obviously what what how the defense plays. I mean, you take what they give, give but and we know KJ can run the ball. But I would expect him to maybe in this offense and with the receiver. I think they're going to be better at tight end, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens with the receivers. But he seems to be connecting with them pretty well. So. I think maybe hitting close to that 30 touchdown pass range. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic. Ooh, I and hope maybe, so, Bob. Maybe closer to 3,000 yards um, and keep those interceptions down. He had a great. Uh, he's, he's had a great touchdown interception ratio. He really takes good care of the ball for the most part. And um, of course, his no. And I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful of Western Carolina, but you know, ideally for Arkansas, though. They've got off to a good start, which has been an issue. That that's going to be another thing to watch for: is do they get off to a good start? Because they've struggled, as Sam would say, in these 
in some of his games against the, the, the non-logo teams, and he put Arkansas in that category too. Uh, you know, he talked about the, the, the logo teams are like Georgia and Alabama and LSU, and uh, but we know Arkansas was trailing Missouri State late in that game last year, and uh, we know that the, the Sam's very first, well, not very first game, but the, the first season, a uh, non-COVID season, they, they uh, struggled against Rice before they put them away, so. You know, they lost to Liberty last year, which Liberty was a pretty good team, of course, with Hugh Freeze. But so, um, but ideally, Arkansas will get off to a good start. They'll be firing on all cylinders. They'll be able to play a bunch of guys. And, and KJ, you know, will be able to watch a good part of this game from the safety of the bench. Bob, we've gone into this offseason, you know, and be like, well, this is an experienced team. Look at all of the uh, transfers that were starters or, or guys that got a lot of run at their previous spot. Uh, and, and, and come to find out, there are more than a handful of freshmen that are going to play. I mean, true freshmen on defense. Offensively, you got a couple of wide receivers that have cracked the top six. Luke Haas is listed as the top uh, tight end. Uh, two linebackers, two defensive linemen, two defensive backs that Sam mentioned yesterday that are true freshmen that he expects to get some run. Um, you know, we know that they've recruited well. I did not expect that this many true freshmen would crack the depth chart. And truthfully, I don't think they're just listed there. I think we're going to see these guys. Well, especially we know that freshmen can play four games and keep their red shirt. And then I actually don't know if this waiver carries over, but I think with all guys opting out of bowl games, um, they'll, they'll probably do a waiver where a, a, a freshman's played in four games, he could keep his redshirt and, and play in the bowl game. But yeah, some of these freshmen you'd expect to be in the rotation all year if they stay healthy. And some of them, you know, maybe this is a game they get to play in it, but it might be one of those four games that they can play and keep their redshirt. It really, it really depends on how the game goes. I mean, bottom line is Arkansas has got to go out and take Western Carolina very seriously and, and try to jump on them and, take the fight out of them and discourage them, and then they can get some of their backups in there. But it does sound like Sam Pittman likes the depth. He's talked about playing some some offensive line. I mean, you usually rotate defensive linemen anyway, especially in, when it's going to be hot like it is. And they feel good, I think, that they can rotate two lines, maybe even three on the D line and rotate some DBs. And it's not You usually don't see rotating offensive line that much. You see the starters in there, and then if you feel like, um, okay, you got the game under control. You, you work some other guys in there, maybe even play the second line. But it sounds like Sam feels good that there's enough competition at some of those spots that he's going to maybe you know play a guy. And he wasn't exact about this, and I could be wrong, but maybe you play this group, you know, two or three series, and then maybe you work one or two guys in to see how they do. Because you really can't give a guy a fair evaluation as a starter unless you got him in there with a the starter. So to me, if you feel like you got two guys that are pretty even and you want to see how they do in a game you got to give them both some reps with the starters bob uh have have you made a prediction do you uh do you have a prediction how do you see this hog football season just as far as the wins and losses going this year i don't i have not done a prediction i mean my feeling is and here's the deal i really like arkansas's roster i think they got a lot of good players I really like the coaching staff. I think Sam, uh, I think, you know, no, no offense to some of the other guys, but I think they probably upgraded in some spots on the coaching staff. I think Sam's done a very good job as as head coach, given what he inherited. The, the issue with me and the Razorbacks is almost always the schedule, which is brutal. It's with brutal, capital. yeah. And, so, and, 
So people may not want to hear this. But I think you know seven and five, eight and four. You know, and, and you know I, I get they could go ten and two or something if everything just fell right. But given the the, the strength of the schedule, I, I don't think I think seven and five would be a good record. I know fans don't want to hear that and all this kind of stuff. But I just uh, I look at the games and of course there can be games that we think they're going to win that they'll lose. There can be games that we think they're going to lose that they'll win. But And as usual with, with Arkansas, really this is pretty much everybody in the SEC maybe taking out Alabama and, and Georgia. And I'll say this, Georgia's got to, for them, they have a ridiculously weak schedule. It's not all on them because they're supposed to play Oklahoma. And then with Oklahoma coming to the league, they had to, they had to change that game and they replaced it with Ball State. That's not their fault, Georgia Tech. Is not has not been very good, but if you look at Georgia's schedule compared to Arkansas's schedule, I think there's a pretty big difference, you know. Um, and Georgia's, you know, Georgia is going to be probably almost everybody they play anyway. They don't have to play Alabama or LSU. But, but getting back to Arkansas, I just think it's a real tough schedule. There's going to be a lot of close games, and you know, last year they they lost. We all know they lost four games by nine points before they they won the, the triple overtime game in the bowl over Kansas. So. Um, they need to turn that around. They need to at least, you know, win half of it. Like, if they're going to play four or five real close ones, they need to go three and two or two and two. And if they do that, I think they have a pretty solid season. But I, I see seven, eight wins, and I don't mean that as any knock on Arkansas. I say I really like their roster. I like the coaching staff. I don't like the schedule. <laughs> That's that's fair enough. I see him going four and zero, Phil, in non conference. And if they could go four and four, three and five in conference, that, that gets you to your seven or eight wins. The key is finding a place to get a win on the road, or maybe two. And I, I think Florida is one one place be you nice can do it to win in the swamp. And it would be great to find a way to win either at Ole Miss or at LSU. You can pull off a game against A and M. I don't know, but it is that four game stretch that seems to be, I think, the toughest in the country. Toughest four game stretch for anybody in the country. And it's not just because of the opponents. It's because you're you're spending a full month away from your home stadium. I mean, you only have two of your first, what, six games that are inside your home stadium this year. Yeah, it's just that, that, that those first four SEC games, to me, I mean, I, I haven't done the research, but I cannot imagine Arkansas has ever played a tougher first four conference games in their history because yeah. of who you're playing and where you're playing them. It's essentially four road games. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a neutral site game there with a Death Valley and Tuscaloosa in there. Oxford, oh my goodness. Bob, appreciate you, man. Always uh, enjoy these talks. We'll look forward to talking Arkansas football again next week. Thank you. Okay, you guys take care. Thanks, Bob. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. They have everything you need this summer at Eastside Liquor, such as Evan Williams flavored whiskey, soda jerk root beer or orange cream shots, Appalachian sipping cream liqueur, and more. A new law in Arkansas now allows the sale of single 50 milliliter bottles as well. Eastside Liquor, located at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Stop in or swing by the drive-thru and see Dave and his team today. Now here's Harper with another chance to reach 300. And a high fly ball to deep right center field. Oh Could he have goodness. done it? Red-
Renfro's going back toward the wall. It's gone! It's number 300! Oh, my God. It has given the Phillies the lead. Bryce Harper has just hit his 300th career home run. He's done it in his 1,481st game, and the Phillies have taken the lead. And thus, that is how Bryce Harper... Uh, became the 12th active player and the 28th all-time to hit his 300th homer before the age of 30. Philly still lost the game 10-8 to as Ken Craig Kimbrell uh, allowed a home run to Brandon Drury in the ninth inning and the Angels beat Philadelphia 10-8. to Yeah, only the 12th active player with 300 home runs. Well, think about that. I shouldn't say only because that means 12 of the 28 all-time players that have hit 300 homers before age 30 are playing right now. You know, guys like John Carlos Stanton, Miguel Cabrera, uh, they all hit 30, uh, 300 home runs before the age of 30. Harper does not turn 30 until October the 16th, so he's got the rest of the regular season to pull it off. And you know one of the players that hit 300 home runs before the age of 30? Ken Griffey Jr., And today is the 33rd anniversary of the game where Griffey and his father were in the same lineup. Only time it's ever happened in Major League history. You see, uh, Griffey was doing some photography uh, work, Mm. and he had a media (laughs) pass at the Messi game. Everybody's jumping. Any way you can get in to to see Messi play, you're getting in to see him. Kid doesn't just say, hey, I'm Ken Griffey Jr., just let me in. Look at my hats backwards. Griffey, yeah. That was... uh, Even in Nashville or Miami, that ought to work. Oh, yeah. He's Griffey Jr. He's the kid. But I just wonder about Harper. He's had injuries that have limited parts of five seasons, then throw in the pandemic, and six of his seasons have been shortened for one reason or another. And yet he's still been able to reach 300 home runs. But so many great players that had a great... Does he get to 500, Phil? Well, see, this is where I'm kind of going with this. Because you're you're only 200 home runs away, but it doesn't necessarily mean you automatically get there. The the biggest stat, I'm looking at your stats, Phil, and the one that was the craziest stat that I saw was Griffey had 430 before the age of 30. Then he averaged 19 home runs a year. Injuries. That's just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's wild. Griffey had two maybe three 50 home run seasons before he turned 30. And then he had trouble even getting to 30 his, after Was that. it his back? Was he back, back problems? I think he had a wrist. Yeah. I think he had a back. I think he had a knee. You know, he was he was never shy about running into a wall. He was, was an athlete, a little bit of man. a part of it. He was a, he was a fun center. He was an action star in his, in his 20s. And he played to age 40. Albert Pujols, 408 home runs before the age of 30. And he had 295 after the age of 30. He played to age 42. You know, I mean, he had a couple of big home run seasons, but it just wasn't consistent. And part of it was injuries. Uh, Mickey Mantle. 404 home runs before he turned 30. Just 132 after he turned 30. Him of course, and G- Mickey was drunk and injured for a good chunk of those six years he still played after he turned 30. I was going to say him and Jimmy Fox, they they like to go out there and have a drink before yeah. they play, huh? You know, the Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fox, uh, you know, the character from... Um, uh, what is it? Tom Hanks's character in A League of Their Own. Okay. Is modeled after Jimmy Fox. Okay. There's no crying in baseball. Uh, as he's completely schlossed. As he's, yeah, as he's whining the whole time. Jimmy Fox hit 429 home runs before he turned 30. 
and then just 105 after. What was his position? What did he play out in the field? He was a first baseman. First baseman. The A's and the Red Sox. And his career also was interrupted because of World War II. Um, here, are, here are some guys that still had good year, good careers. At, well, I mean, it's not a matter of good career or not. Still had power numbers. Hank Aaron hit more home runs after age 30 than before age 30. And I think he got to the bigs at age 19 or 20. And then there's Bonds. Barry Bonds has the record for most home runs after the age of 30. And we know why. 503 home runs after he turned 30. He had 259 before that. Do you, do you hear what Maddox said? Uh, I, I saw this quote, this quote yesterday. Maddox was was being interviewed, and he and he said Bonds was the easiest guy to pitch to because if it mattered, you just walked him. That's exactly <laughs> right. How how difficult is it? So like you know that guy who's batting right here. Yeah, throw everything way if outside. If it mattered, you're not though. You don't give him any. He said he was the best hitter of his generation. Do you agree with that? Barry Bonds was the best hitter of his generation. There were some great hitters around his yeah. generation, yeah. but nobody could shrink the strike zone quite like him. Yeah. But there was another reason why. I mean, you there, you gotta you gotta look at both ends of this here. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? For me, yeah, he does. You can't. He is the home run king. Whether or not you want to admit it, you're not going to take those home runs away. But nobody is going to hit 503 home runs after the age of 30 unless they got a little chemical help. Well, the, the pictures- there's proof of it here because otherwise you go in the totally other direction because of a legal chemical, alcohol in some cases. The, the pitchers had a little little help as well, and uh, it was it was funny. Maddox said, you know, you, you got nine guys in the lineup. You're trying to get 27 outs. Now you just take him out, and you, you're trying to get those 27 outs with the other eight guys. You, you don't worry about him. The, the, you know, I'm, I'm amazed by somebody. That, but first, I mean, Harper got up to the big leagues at what, age 20? Griffey at age 19? But when you're in your 20s, we know what this felt like. What did you feel like in your 20s, Matt, compared to your late 30s? Hey, man, I'm 46. I feel like I was in better shape at age 43 or 44 than I was in my 20s, but I had a heck of a lot more energy then. The trick is to, for athletes, when you're you're older and your body is more brittle, is staying healthy, you know? That was what kept Mantle from from breaking. Uh, well, there's from a possibly breaking Ruth's record. I, I do think there's a difference in nutritionists and, and what these athletes know. Uh, you know, if you put Mickey Mantle in today's game, I think he would be even better. You know, I think that when you get the strength and conditioning program back then, Phil, a lot of these guys had other jobs. I'm not saying Mantle had another job, but a lot of those guys that played professional sports, they weren't. That's still the same deal. You still were only paying a couple of those guys a lot of money. Everybody else was kind of making minimum wage. A few texts coming in on the McClarty Daniel text line, 877-377-6963. Kevin and Harrison says Trout was a few years back on pace to smash that. He might have been. I mean, Mike Trout got to 300 home runs before the age of 30. I mean, look what it's been like for him to try to stay healthy this year. But I think he's only 31 uh, and he's in fantastic shape, but a broken wrist is a broken wrist. I mean, there's nothing you can you can't get around that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Trout's an amazing. He's already a Hall of Famer, but uh, I'm 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 on the edge of my seat, wondering what the next seven eight years are going to be like for him. Is it going to be one of those things like, yeah, man, he could have been the greatest of all time, or will he actually be that? Look at Otani. Shohei Otani is 28. He's already hit in the majors. 
171 home runs, most of them in the last three years. Who knows what he's going to look like in the future? But he didn't get up here when he was 19. Same with Ichiro. That's why three. What's that's what I well 23 is pretty early still, but that's with Ichiro. Ichiro got here late too, and with all those hits. But it, you know, if he would have been like Barry Bonds or Griffey getting here when they're 19, 20 years old, even Bryce Harper and Trout weren't they both up here when they were a little younger? Trout was. 20 when he made his yeah, major league that's, debut. I mean, you're making it before 21. That's a lot of that's a lot more reps. Well, that goes along with it. In order to in order to you know have these all these things about when before you turn 30, that means you got to be a wonderkin. That means you got to be an A Rod, a Bonds, a Mantle, a Hank Aaron, or a Bryce Harper. You know, there's only a select few that can get up there at age 20 and stick. And then it's even more select if you can continue any level of that production without any chemical help when you're in your 30s. Otis from Paragould asked, did Bonds need to take steroids to make it into the Hall of Fame? No, I don't think he did need it, but he did it anyway. Razor Bacon thinks Pujols was better than Bonds, and that's a topic up for conversation. I love this kind of stuff. Fall season is just around the corner, and I know all of us are looking for that wholesome, convenient meal. We'll look no further than Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door. And right now, use the code HTL50. Head to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. That's code HTL50 at factormeals.com. To get 50% off, thanks to Hit That Line. The great thing about Factor, over 34 weekly prepared meals that you can choose from. Plus, you don't have to run around to worry about where you're getting lunch. Let Factor take care of it for you. Let me tell you the code one more time to help you get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. HTL 50 factor America's number one ready to eat meal kit. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey and Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey and Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey and Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey and Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Are you feeling the heat this summer with soaring electric bills? Upgrade your AC system with Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric this August and experience the ultimate comfort in your home. This month, receive up to $500 off on attic insulation when you upgrade your AC. That's right, proper attic insulation can significantly reduce your energy bills, keeping your home cooler and more efficient. Worried about the cost? We've got you covered. With approved credit, enjoy payments as low as $99 a month. Picture this, lower energy bills can help you cover the cost of your new system. Now that's a win-win situation. So don't wait, call Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric now and save with a new AC system and insulation this August. Say goodbye to high electric bills and hello to ultimate comfort. Visit gopascal.com now and schedule your free estimate. With approved credit, exclusions apply. See dealer for details. Professional people, professional service. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. 
Yeah, I had to do a double take when I looked at the weather. My son and I were driving him to school today, and I've got Alexa in my car now, so you can, with an 11-year-old in the car, yeah, and we don't, we don't do too much talking, it's Alexa. She says, 86-degree high today. I'm like, whoa. But yeah, we're going to be, what, 92, 93 for kickoff on Saturday? I don't care if it'll be 100 degrees Saturday. We're fired up for Arkansas football, finally. Back again with kickoff at noon, and then we've got, well, let's see how the day's going to go. Nine o'clock, seven o'clock is, um, is Arkansas game day on your uh, ESPN Arkansas affiliate. Nine o'clock will be the Learfield pregame show. <clears throat> it's with me and with uh, Gino Bell and Rick Schaefer. Chuck and Quinn get the call at 12 noon. We'll do a little postgame after that for an hour. And then Hog Reaction, which will be live at CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers in Russellville. Uh, that's all on Saturday. Um, I, w- I wonder if you've... Uh, how many times somebody come up to you, Matt Jones, and said, Hey, man, you need to, you need to, uh, you need to give Coach this play. I've drawn something up. I think this is going to work. Anybody ever come up to you and tell you they had a, bl- a play that they wanted your team to run? Um. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. You know. Hey. You remember that play on Madden? You remember that play? Uh. You know. Halfback angle with the with the the clear out or something. But I don't think is anything as cool as what you're about to tell us. Yeah. This is just a little bit different. Uh. This is. Let's see. This is Andy Reid uh, on a podcast uh, with one of his former players. And I wonder if this has ever happened. With Dan Enos or Sam Pittman. Where though, high school, college, I mean, at least I've heard rumors that you've got guys that go down to the bottom of the ranks to find new concepts and things you might want to go with. Have you ever actually taken something from high school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I took one from a janitor one time at Green Bay. I mean, I just <laughs> no, you got to tell me this. Well, no, we had a janitor. It was a mom and pop uh, group that cleaned our facility forever and then they were game day. And, you know, this guy kept telling me who's a, he was the owner of the company, the father of the, the family and he goes I've got this play for you and he kept telling me this over and over finally I said okay here's a card draw up the play and he drew up the play I go dang that's pretty, that's pretty good that's pretty good we called the play just before halftime and it scored and he starts hitting his wife and he's going that's my play that's my play and she's going yeah right yeah sure it is and that uh you know that's uh well, we'll take it from anywhere that cracked me up school. that was with Chris Long uh the janitor knew what he was doing, man. I just love, I just love that that Andy Reid doesn't have the ego to be like, whatever, dude. I don't need to look at the play you drew up. He looked at the play. He was like, dang, that's pretty good. We had a uh, coach note was pretty good about if if you saw a, a special play that went on that year, the year before, you know that uh, what was it that Philly Philly that they ran, you know, with they they mm-hmm. kind of hand the ball and the other guy comes back and throws it to the. We ran that. We ran the throwback to the quarterback. We ran the tight end fall down. Uh, we had a couple special plays that Coach Nut had that was pretty cool, and you might even see them happen. Uh, there was a there was a double screen we had that we put in. DeCorey Birmingham, I remember him catching one. Dedrick Poole caught one against Texas, and where you're kind of reading the end, the guy at the end of the line of scrimmage to see if you're going to throw it out to the to the swing route, and then if he if he falls back, you go back and you throw it to this other screen side to the receiver to your Z receiver, and uh, that was one that he had he had picked up watching somebody play, and then we, you just put it right into your offense. Hmm. But he didn't take any any advice from uh, from the cleanup crew. 
Well, you know, there's a, hey, a good play is a good play. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter how it gets there. There's no, uh, you know, high school can, can run it. They're, they're, once you get to the to the top level field, they're all running the same plays. It's just how do you window dress it? How do you dress it up? What's your personnel you're running it in? What do you run it against? You know, you're, you're trying to figure out, okay, on third and two, are they going to be in man a lot of time? Will it work? Or what, what are they going to be in? I would love the idea of somebody going up to a pitcher and being, "Hey, man, why don't you use that slider as much as as, as much as I think you should?" Every once in a while, someone will listen to you about that, and like a different pair of eyes on it, one that's not actually paid to watch the game. But in some, in most cases, and I've taken, I've been, I've been told this before, and I try to tell you, take advice from those whom uh, you respect for what you do too, and that they have an understanding of what it is that you do. I think janitors know football. If they're around a football facility a lot, they might be paying pretty close attention. They might, they might be studying that. Uh, they might be studying that playbook a little bit more than the quarterback potentially. Huh? Bobby Boucher, uh, your your Fonzie. You don't don't be taking his playbook. That's right. Eight seven seven three seven seven sixty nine sixty three. Got some text coming in here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. We were talking about uh, Barry Bonds uh, a moment ago, and Mister Tough Love uh, said Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, and Jose Canseco were huge. They had arms like mountains. Bonds did not have uh, biceps like that when he first came up. In fact, he was a spindle. And really, when you look at when you look at McGuire when he first came up too, and from when he played at Southern California. He didn't have a whole bunch of definition or anything. He was just a big dude. He was just six foot five, and he was big. Ken Seiko was the guy. Look, that whole story that Ken Seiko wrote about in the boost in the book Juiced. I think he's truly he was the godfather of uh, of PEDs in baseball. There's no doubt. I think that's where McGuire learned it from. Um, Ruben Sierra, that whole Mark Teixeira, that whole crew in in, in Houston. I mean, Juan in, Gonzalez, in, in the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, Juan Gonzalez is one of those guys I that saw. had 300 home runs before age 30, and he had all sorts of back problems later in his career. And I think he, you know, it was rumored that he was he was juiced up too. Ken Seiko was the godfather of it. Did Kurt Schilling, was he a juicer? Because I know the Rocket was. Roger Clemens. But Randy Johnson didn't juice. You know, no. when, does, it, does it come, starts going down to... Andy Pettit. Andy uh, Pettit was Pettit bad. wasn't... I mean, what's juice? Juice, I think we usually refer to as steroids. I think what Pettit did was human growth hormone. Okay. Which I don't think is juice. Well, didn't Mark McGuire was doing Androstein? You know, yep. it was something, something kind of a little different, too. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it was in, it was in his locker all throughout that ninety eight home run chase because it wasn't illegal. It wasn't anything he you know he felt he had to hide, and he really didn't. I don't think you're allowed to use it any longer. Pretty sure you haven't. You're not allowed to use it uh, any longer. Um, anyway, it, this really this I mean, you mentioned Barry Bonds. You throw the word steroids out there and the word home runs. You get a lot of uh, get a lot of text coming in here here even uh, even two days before the start of the college football season. What's worse, wearing a beeper on the side of your, your, your rib right there where they can beep you and tell you what pitch is coming or, or taking steroids? That's a really good question, Matt. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to They're both on the that. wrong side of the law. You know, they're both, they're both on the wrong side, but which does it, does it matter? Yeah, well, it's like, so uh, if you know what pitch is coming, sometimes that's half the battle. I'm Knowing you. what pitch is coming and where they're trying to locate it. But you still have to be quick enough and strong so enough. So you have to have talent. Right. It's the same idea as if you're, if you're Bonds and, you know, you, you had a little extra something uh, behind you scientifically, but you still had to have the mindset of a hitter, you know, and, and you still had to have the quickness that went into it and the hand-eye coordination. 
I mean, it, it's a it's a complex argument, uh, and I didn't really mean to open that uh, to open up <laughs> the uh, the PED conversation uh, just by Bryce Harper hitting his 300th home run. I have decided, though, I'm going to root for North Carolina State this year, Matt, only because of your your uh, fantasy football team for college. Let's football. do it. I, like I don't it. have a fantasy team. Wolf, this year. Wolfpack. Let's go, Wolfpack. The, the Razorbacks are my fantasy team, so I'm just going to have to. I gotta I gotta live. I got to live through you. We were this close to getting KJ as our quarterback. You don't want your team's guys on your team. Do we you? were going to take the Florida State quarterback or KJ, and then uh, it, it came back around. But we got the uh, the Michigan defense and the Alabama offense. So roll, Tide, roll. You get the Alabama offense in the year where quarterback play is sort of up in the air with them. That's fine. They're still Way to go. Score Good drafting, Matt. They're still going to score 37 points. It doesn't matter who their quarterback. Put, put a game you get in. All the po- you get points scored by their defense, That's too, right. don't you? I mean, does put that a, count? Put a game manager back there. And then you look at the Big Ten, uh, just the points per game. Iowa, uh, Michigan, you know, they they all – Michigan State, they're, they're a defensive conference. Then you look out, out west in the Pac-12. The Oregon, USC, Washington, you know, they're the ones putting up a lot of numbers on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Just taking a look at some of the quarterbacks that will be playing here soon. Uh, You realize that three of the top four teams in both rankings are breaking in new quarterbacks. Kyle McCord at Ohio State, Carson Beck at Georgia, Jalen Milrow at Alabama. Is Penn State's guy returning? I, th- I was I was looking. I, I, th- I thought I saw something. He might be a newer a newer Penn guy too. Penn State's quarterback is Drew Aller. He is a new quarterback. So he's a new one too. Penn State's on there, and they're number seven in the country. Yeah, you got McCarthy at, at Michigan. He's coming back. He's one of the starters that's coming back. Right in the top four, top five teams. I believe so. Did he move to Iowa? I know that they got a, a thing. I know they got a, a former Michigan quarterback there at Iowa. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.